Rush into Old Navy today for up to 50% off store-wide. Get dresses from $15 for women, $12 for girls, plus up to 75% off clearance for the whole family right now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1016 to 1020, select styles only. Locked On Trailblazers, your daily Portland Trailblazers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to an October 30th, Sunday afternoon edition of the Locked On Blazers podcast. I'm your host, Eric Garcia-Gunderson, a writer for BlazersEdge.com and a former Blazers beat writer for the Vancouver Columbian. And I am happy to be joined by Dane Carbaugh from NBC's Pro Basketball Talk, host of The Rewind and Blazers Edge. Welcome back, man. How are you? I'm, uh, I'm glad to be back on. Glad the season has started. I'm so, and, and I'm glad that we get to watch Damian Lillard. Like, that's, yeah, yeah, I, that I, that's I, pretty I, much sums up my weekend. He, he's been incredible so far. I tweeted the other night, but it seems like in years past, he has needed to score so much for the Blazers just to be able to have a fighting chance. This season, it feels like he's going to score, but the Blazers don't need him to score as much as he's going to score. I just don't think anybody can stop him. That was something that I realized when I was at the game on Tuesday, the opener. Uh, George Hill is super, super disruptive defensively. Mm-hmm. And he got Dame in trouble a couple times, forced Dame into some turnovers. And still, Damian had 39 points and right. and, and just balled. And it, it didn't matter right. that George Hill, probably one of the best point guard, de- defensive point guards in the league, I think mm-hmm. he's better than Patrick Beverly. I think he's better than a lot of guys that, you know, at defense that play point guard. And Damian scored with ease. And last night he had 37 um, in the victory over the Denver Nuggets, 115-113 in overtime. Uh, I'm sure you didn't miss it, but the Blazers won last night thanks to Damian Lillard hitting a game-winning floater uh, at the end of overtime, and he also sent the game uh, into overtime, uh, hitting a basket at the end of regulation. Just yeah. just fantastic. His numbers so far uh, to start the season, he's averaging 35 points in the first three games, five assists, by the way, he leads the Blazers in rebounding. <laughs> That's a ridiculous stat. The thing I've noticed about Damien, I feel like we heard some of the, you know, we, we saw some of the beat reporters uh, who are, have been there and talking about sort of his attitude and that, how that sort of changed for the Blazers in preseason. And the thing you notice about elite players and star players and budding players and what those levels are, if they do things that seem impossible and when they do them, they don't seem like terrible decisions when they do them. So maybe they, they come in and they, they look out of control, but you, the whole time your personal confidence as a viewer is taking a look at it and saying, he's going to finish that somehow. And I'm not sure three years ago he had that going on. This year he's using all kinds. I mean, uh, I guess the Denver last night he used a couple moves where uh, twice in a row he, he used the rim the same exact way to defend against the defender for blocking his shot. I mean, a lot of the stuff he's doing is just incredible and just so dialed in, and it's late October. The, the way that he's playing right now, it, he's backing up the – Steve Kerr started the MVP stuff by saying mm-hmm. that – kind of comparing him to Gary Johnson, and then he backed it up 
on opening night, and then he had a pretty decent game, although I think the Blazers collectively just crumbled at the end against the Clippers. I thought that the the Clippers were more comfortable with the animosity, I felt like, going into that mm-hmm. game. But Lillard himself has just set the tone from the first game, before the first game, and uh, he's been spectacular. We just read off the statistics just now, and uh, you know he's just been it, – it's yeah, you just expect him now to do these things with ease and to uh, just lead the team mm-hmm. in ways that you, I guess – maybe we're just not used to seeing it on a consistent basis like this. I mean, the way that he, I know that Aldridge was really great uh, at his peak when he was here, but I feel like there's just a way that Lillard goes about it, that like he's in control. There's Mm -hmm. a sense that he's in more control of everything that's happening than uh, I can remember from a star, you know, on this team. Supreme confidence. And maybe a good, a good way to point that out in this small sample size theater, as we talk about the first three, three games of the season is when was the last time we saw Damian Lillard play a game against Chris Paul and not look a little bit rattled? We have never seen that. The Blazers lost that game against the Clippers, but a supreme confidence from Damian Lillard playing against the Clippers in that loss. No chance at all that he was going to be rattled or taken out of his game. That's huge because that, that's, a, that's a huge step to sort of get past in Western Conference traditionally as that rivalry has gone on. Right, and I, I, I'm, I'm actually looking for it right now because I want to make sure. Uh, but David McKay, our friend from Blazers Edge, tweeted last night, or tweeted earlier today, excuse me, that Lillard is shooting 74% from five feet or less right now. Obviously, very small sample is size. Is that good? Yeah, very small sample size. But last year, he was below 50% finishing around the rim. So, uh, And he... he he talked about it after the game against Utah when he finished extremely well over Rudy Gobert mm-hmm. about, about the drills that he did where they just have like this seven foot, this like near seven foot guy that doesn't like go through any of the actions of a pick and roll, but he's like waiting mm-hmm. at the basket to defend shots. <laughs> and, and it's how that he's working on him. And I think CJ McCollum too, the fact that he's so crafty, I think Lillard kind of learns a little bit from him too. And it's, it's really amazing to see. I thought CJ had a great game last night too. Uh, he didn't mm-hmm. score a ton, but his his stat sheet. I mean, he had twenty three points, but he also had ten rebounds, three assists, three steals, and three blocks uh, last night. So CJ McCollum doing also what you want from your number two player. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, CJ McCollum has a lot of crafty moves, and you're right. I think Damian Lillard. The thing about his his finishing at the rim for Damian Lillard is a lot of his pacing is different or he, or he chooses. It's not always different, but a lot of times when he does finish, it seems like more often a lot of his pacing around the rim is different. It's different head fakes and looks and he stays grounded for an extra step or something. And that's really interesting. Obviously CJ has that plus his, you know, his, uh, down the middle of the lane floaters, his you know, step back fadeaways from like eight feet down the baseline. Um, CJ, you know, I think really impressed some people across the league last night, especially since he had, yeah, three blocks. All right. If, if the Blazers guards can uh, play a little bit of defense, I know 113 points. Um, and it was a pretty high scoring game there at the end of the third quarter too. It was a little bit of a stall after that, that intermission with the the power outage, but um, so not a, not an excellent defensive showing, uh, team wise, but if you can see, see little glimpses of that and see, um, you know, some real technique being applied by those two players on defense, that's great news for Portland. Yeah, both both those guys, I think, um, 
Lillard, uh, excuse me, McCollum, I thought was a pretty decent defender for most of last mm-hmm. season. I think he's very smart, and he, I think it shows that he watches a lot of film defensively because mm-hmm. he knows I, where a lot of sets are coming. I think he knows where a lot of screens are coming before they come, and he he did an excellent job last night defensively. And the Blazers, their D rating was a little high after the first two games, and that's going to level out. And we can't really make any judgments this early in the season, but it was good to see that number go down after last night, even though the defense mm-hmm. hasn't been great and it wasn't great last night either, but it was a little bit better. And uh, we talked about CJ McCollum, but the one thing that I think well, Evan Turner had a solid game last night, but I kind of wanted to transition to this because he's had a struggle. He struggled in the first couple of games much better right. last night, but it seems like early the lineups with the early returns on the very small samples of that, Turner and Lillard are playing the lineups with Turner and Lillard are performing a little bit better right now than the lineups with McCollum and Turner. What what Mm -hmm. do you think about that? What do you think we should read anything to that? Or what what is it, you know, is that interesting to you? I'm not sure if I want to read much into it at this Mm -hmm. point in time, just because I feel like we're also at the point where we've seen Evan Turner have two pretty sort of, you know, miserable games. So I, especially I think, against the Clippers, he was a lot less defensively solid than I've expected him to be over the course of the season, and the Clippers game sort of highlighted that. So I'm not sure if I read too much into it. I think it's interesting and maybe a testament to how good Lillard is at adapting and how much of an impact that he has specifically mm-hmm. over, say, somebody like C.J. McCollum. That's, you know, that's a really interesting point because now you've made me think about even back when he was a rookie and they brought in Eric Maynor and, mm-hmm. and, and Lillard just adjust his game to kind of fit alongside Maynor and the Blazers, you know, were performing pretty well with those two guys. And it's, it's like, he really is not only, I think this is one of his greatest strengths. And I think it doesn't uh, often come up because of he's so, he has these clutch moments and these moments where he's tapping the wrist and it's game time. And, all of those things, but mm-hmm. he doesn't get enough credit for blending in the way that yeah. he does because he he blends in better than I think a lot of stars do. Yeah. A lot of guys his well, caliber, I don't know. I think he blends in very well to whatever the team is doing, no matter who's out there with him. Especially if he's mixing into those off-ball actions that we're seeing more and more of him do with Turner running the ball, even if Damien's bringing it up the court and then just flipping it over to him or something. You know, that's something that... Uh, it it's hard to do that with and see Damian McCollum can run a pick and roll pretty well, but Damian's obviously step better than him. But it's a it's a huge drop off between um, say Evan Turner running those flare screens and then there not being a shot there or him not being comfortable taking that shot and then Evan Turner running that pick and roll or Alan Crabb trying to run that pick and roll when he's playing with a two or three spot. So you're right, Damian Lillard can shift into that and he makes the entire offense more dynamic because if Evan Turner can run. Um, you know, a, uh, a big wide pick and roll, like a one four from the top of the top of the key, where there's a lot of space. That's easier for him to run. And then if Damian Lillard, you know, taking a flare screen, catching the pass on the side, there's no shot. Then he's better at operating in a tight position with a pick and roll, you know, in some sort of uh, like pistol action on the sideline. So, yeah, I think it's it's definitely up to Damian's uh, sort of diversity in his game and why he's so good on MVP candidate this year. Yeah, I, I think. This is a real, he is a real shot because the Blazers are 
should be a good team. And last night, they also won one of those games that mm-hmm. they did not win last year. These are games mm-hmm. that they did not win last year. This is kind of... Especially early. Yeah, especially early. And I think this kind of plays into what I think we, you and I both agreed about before the season started, was that they weren't going to start this poorly like they did last mm-hmm. year. And so this is kind of, you know... That's a good. This is as good of a start as you can ask for. The Blazers losing to the Clippers in the Clippers' first game, you know, and they have that bad taste in their mouth from playing the Blazers and losing to them. Mm-hmm. You know, you can forgive that loss, but this win on the road in Denver, pretty impressive, and shows the growth that I think you want to see. And I, I turned to my girlfriend last night and said, "This, this is not the. Uh, if they're going to be that four seed this year." They just can't, even in a tough place to play like Denver, they can't lose to Denver on the road. Mm-hmm. It doesn't doesn't matter how early it is. They just they just can't lose to Denver on the road like that. If they want to, if they want to be four, and hey, they won. Hey, yeah, you're right. They won, and they won a game that last year they wouldn't have. And this is a sign, you know, great start, one and zero on the road uh, for them. First road game, of course. Blazers at two and one. They are currently fourth right now in the standings doesn't make a whole lot spurs three and zero light work of course <laughs> and the the only guy that i think has a chance to take away player of the week from dame well there are two guys because mm-hmm. oklahoma city plays later tonight uh so westbrook could and if they win they're three and zero, and he's dropping numbers so that's pretty much a guarantee but davis is right. you know the pelicans are zero and three so i don't know if they if the league would be inclined to give it to him to give him player of the week when he didn't win a game. Yeah, that's tough. I think, especially since the storyline of the season is, even if it was last season for the Pelicans that they were uh, disappointing in Allen Gentry's first year, especially offensively, even if that is, okay, well, at least Anthony Davis is still balling. If he ain't winning games, I'm not sure that wins out over the Thunder saying, look, we lost one of the greatest scores in NBA history over this offseason. Now we have Russell Westbrook having the first 50-point triple-double in since, like, 75 or something. So yeah. it's uh, just Yeah, like... let me just re- – I mean, this is what Dame is going up against to win Player of the Week. And this is probably going to – we're probably going to say this so many times this season. But Westbrook, right. 41 points, 12.5 rebounds, and 9.5 assists, and one steal for good measure. Uh, <laughs> in 40 minutes a game, Thunder 2-0. and They came back to beat Phoenix on Friday night. They play the Lakers this evening. But – Damian Lillard still, I think, is going to be in this conversation all season long. And normally I don't think that any of this stuff matters, but I do think that if you really consider yourself a an MVP candidate, you should be taking mm-hmm. home several Player of the Week awards, Player of the Month awards, I think because that sets up a narrative, I think, for the voters throughout the entire season. And I think yeah, as Blazer fan, you know, for for people that are interested in the Blazers, I think – more so than most years, I think things like Player of the Week matter because it because Lillard actually has a shot, I think, to win the MVP. Okay, yeah, I would I would say that's that's true, but again, that that does highlight the issue you're going to have with Westbrook, especially in the West, Westbrook and Harden. Every you know week by week, game by game, where they're just putting up stupid numbers, and it's like, well, look, if he's going to score fifty points a game, or if, yeah, he's averaging forty points over the first two games. How do you not make, even though Lillard is, you know, tied for most rebounds on the Blazers squad, mm-hmm. which is ridiculous, ridiculous. Um, and, and, and playing lights out. Uh, yeah. How do you not pick him, especially if the Thunder are still, you know, if, if the teams that the Harden and Westbrook are playing on are winning games. Right. Westbrook 
especially is, is just a monster. And the other thing to think about with both of those teams is that neither one of those teams have a guy like CJ McCollum on the team mm-hmm. where he's basically an all-star level guard next to him, which Lillard and Lillard lets him take over the offense sometimes like he just does. Right. So, and, and, and that's a, a byproduct of the Blazers team. But I think that that in turn helps make Lillard helps Lillard put out the numbers that he's been putting up so far. The rotation with the big man, I wanted to talk to you about this. Early, okay. the nod has been to go to Vonley. Mm-hmm. And Myers Leonard played a little bit more last night, though. Got 11 minutes. What do you think about that decision-making? Also, Vonley's got some rebounds last night, but it's been really weird watching Vonley almost become an offense-first player. Uh, yeah. <laughs> where they're like running little clear outs for him. You're right. Yeah. It, it, that's actually very strange where I, I keep seeing it and maybe my brain just hasn't transitioned into, Oh, this is a regular season. It matters. So this should seem weirder. Cause we saw it a bunch in preseason. It's like, Oh, haha, This is kind of like uh, a funny thing to do in preseason. Yeah, they're dusting but, off the Lamarcus sets for Noah. And it's all right, a big right, joke. Right. It's a bunch of weak side action. Oh, Oh, you know, at, 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 16 seconds, the ball changes the side of the floor, and then it goes into volley of the post. So the, uh, the thing that I thought was interesting about last night was that Leonard got 11 minutes, but that was kind of only after both Aminu and uh, Plumley and um, Ed Davis got in early foul trouble. So I don't, I don't even think the plan was to play him that many minutes last night, to be perfectly honest. So that is weird. Again, I'm still on the train that – uh, Myers is just not strong enough to play against some teams, especially uh, you know a team in Denver that reacted to when Portland went small and played Vonley at the five. Um, Denver didn't care. They kept they kept uh, Jokic and uh, Nurkic out there and said, "We have extended bigs, so that's tough to cover in the first place, and we're just going to play bigger than you." And it worked. So, yeah, you know, I, I mean, think Myers will see the floor eventually. Portland probably should have lost last night. Yeah. So, but it is weird that Vonley has almost been an offensive first player. I still don't think he has enough polish. As uh, as time goes on, I'm hoping that he is able to add a little more control to his game. I think that's one of the hardest things to add mid-season. However, and but but on the flip side of that, I think you need time in the game to figure that out. So Terry Stotts' front line has been. You know, we talked about. Uh, in the preseason, before before we played, before they played any games, seen any games played, about how the Blazers can't have enough depth, especially in the front court, and they got it already. Well, we're sort of seeing a player be still out, if you want to call it that, with Myers Leonard not being in game shape. That's essentially what it is, and so that's why we're seeing Noah Vonley step in and play. But I think once we see those rotations round out, and once we see. Uh, what's sort of defensively necessary on the the wing spot between Harkless and Turner, and we figure out what that's actually going to look like and how they're going to mesh together. I think that we'll see that that front line solidify a little more, and Vonley likely fade out just because he doesn't. He's sort of an energy guy and now like a post up guy, but other than a, than a very soft touch, he doesn't have a lot of moves. So, yeah, I I would have liked to see him too, and maybe take some of those post-ups and he doesn't have to necessarily go up with it every time. It seems like he's mm-hmm. getting the ball and he gets, and, and, and this is kind of, I remember now in talking about this, I remember something that 
Popovich talked about when talking about Kawhi Leonard's development earlier in his career, Mm -hmm. where when he would get plays drawn up for him, Kawhi's immediate thought was that I have to shoot on this play. Ah, yeah, right. And and so I think Vonley has the skills, the playmaking chops to make smart decisions. I just think that he's been, he's been going to the rack and trying to score more and, it, I mean, hey, if he's got the confidence, that's great. But he's going to have to adjust and make decisions because teams aren't just gonna. He's not gonna have success posting up and going to jump hooks all the time. Those are just right. not. Those well, are just not efficient shots. And the implication with that Popovich, as it, that Popovich comment, as it relates to Vonley, is that you know a lot of the times Lamarcus's value on that left block was to collapse the defense to get a three on the. A weak side so you're right if if that's the idea it's like it's not about you taking the shot if you the play is drawn up for you it's about the play being drawn up for you to be able to create something out of it whether it's a shot for you whether it's a cutter on the on the same side as you whether it's a shooter on the weak side whatever that is and listen i think that this is the first step to in that process because no, you're mm-hmm. never going to become a playmaker if no one thinks you can score Right. Yeah, that's very so, true. So, you know, the fact that he's scoring, I'm not saying scoring's a bad thing. I just wanted to make sure that, that everyone gets that. Right. Scoring's not bad. Uh, but the, the big man rotation's been interesting. I think the wing rotation's also been interesting. Crab got more money than Turner. And mm-hmm. the if you look at the minutes distribution and who plays in the fourth quarter, it looks like it. Mm-hmm. He's he's almost yeah. finishing. He's finishing like all the games pretty much, and Crab uh, has been pretty solid off the bench as well for for most of the, the in the first three games so far. And the and the, mm-hmm. the other big man rotation, it's like it's going to be the same thing all year. It's going to be a different center, you know, every night pretty much. So yeah. uh, Blazers escaped last night, and it's a good thing they did because they got a pretty tough one on Tuesday. Yeah, it's it's going to be rough. I think uh, I picked them to go three and two to start. I think a lot of other people did. The only people I know, I think uh, Holdall picked them to go four and one. So uh, with the Warriors being that one loss, but everybody everybody picks them to to take that one loss. Of course, we saw the Warriors um, trip over their own feet in their first night out at Oracle <laughs> uh, <laughs> against the Spurs, uh, lost by double digits. So who knows? Damian Lillard playing at the top of his game, going back home to Oakland. It's going to be a game. Definitely going to be there to watch it, that's for sure. Yeah. Actually, correction, that game is going to be in Portland. It's in Portland. Yes. Oh, so, no. Uh, yeah, so maybe Portland wins that one. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Hey, the uh, the Blazers really do have one of the 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 best home court advantages in the NBA. It's undeniable. And if, if that's an indication, any indication of their record last season about their home versus away record, Hey, better chance to go up against uh, you know a team with multiple MVP candidates on it if you're at home and early. So, and early exactly. But yeah, before they've you know I mean I don't know if, if you've taken a look at it, but uh, is it is it rebounding or deficient uh, defensive efficiency? I can't remember which one it is, but it's one of those obviously you know one of those um one of the the foremost board stats you got there. The Warriors are last in the NBA. Last I, I think, checked. Yeah, let me. I'm, I'm pulling it up right now. Um, the yeah. four, fa- yeah, which four is, factors. They are which, last in defensive rebounding, and they are all, last in defensive last rebounding. In defensive rebounding right. And they're 24th in offensive rebounding. Wah, 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 yeah. Wah. So Portland, uh, I, this could be an Ed Davis game. I think Davis and Vonley. I think Ooh. Davis and Vonley could be good 
like battering Rams against this team because like if they already have trouble rebounding, you might as well just throw your youngest best. You know, I think Harkless could have a good game crushing the boards. I think, mm-hmm. I mean, I I think that's the that's going to be the recipe. That's the that's the Cleveland recipe uh, against the. It's also it's also likely to happen just because um, how many fouls Mason Plumlee will rack up on Draymond Green on a sh- when he yeah. shifts over because he has had a massively difficult time with his fouling kind of disappointingly i think to start the season i mean i i I didn't check it for game three but in game two he got or sorry in in the first two games he had his first foul within 50 seconds or 48 seconds in the second game he had it in the first 24 seconds or something so it's just not get that as, as much as mason plumley is sort of uh you know not the the best defender in the post he needs to be on the floor for the Blazers for sure both defensively and offensively yeah big game for Mason because he was pretty much Mm -hmm. embarrassed in the playoffs by Green and Mm -hmm. I think he worked really hard to kind of incorporate some kind of mid-range aspect to his game maybe be a a better attacking guy finishing I, I remember he was kind of throwing some post moves against Gobert that I was not used to seeing from him so I, I think it's going to be a big game for him because I think he wants to get that bad taste out of his mouth almost somewhat like the Clippers did against the Blazers mm-hmm. the other night uh, with that playoff rematch. Obviously different because Kevin Durant is there on their team now, but it, it should be great, a great point guard battle. Uh, I, I think it's, yeah, no, that's going to be fun. Yeah, Blazers play the the, the Warriors on Tuesday. Uh, that's going to be pretty awesome to watch, I think. But whenever the, I mean, whenever those two teams play too is like, that's like basketball yeah. nerd dream it's... right there. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's wild. So, uh, Blazers with a big game, big matchup coming up here on Tuesday night. Then they hit the road for the first time for the first real extended time. They went on the road last night, but they have a three game trip at the end of the week. They're going to play Phoenix the next night back to back. Phoenix is Phoenix could probably be that they're frisky. I think they'll be frisky at home this year because they. I mean. If if preseason and summer league has been an indication the, the and, or slash the last four years of of those two teams <laughs> playing, Phoenix and Phoenix and Portland is going to be a yeah a frisky game for sure. That is definitely what yeah, it'll be. Phoenix is always frisky against the Blazers, even when they're bad. So and they have you know Earl Watson knows the Blazers obviously very well. He was here, he was on the team, and then Devin Booker is really good, and the Suns probably should have had the game in Oklahoma City but lost mm-hmm. it because Westbrook was so good. And uh, then they go to Dallas, uh, meet up with uh, Wes Matthews and, and the Mavs, and then uh, they're in Memphis, which I think the, both those the Dallas and Memphis games, you know, both of those teams have playoff aspirations. So those are going to be – that's going to be a tough road trip because you got two teams with playoff aspirations and then one kind of team of young bucks that um, are going to try and, you know, that can be really solid. And Phoenix is – you've already explained it. Phoenix has given Portland a lot of trouble that – it sometimes doesn't even make sense. Yeah, how it's even possible, right? Uh, I think I was I was looking over the first again. My, my girlfriend pointed out to me not just what the first five games were going to be, but the first like three weeks of the season for the Trailblazers are really tough. They have this just, I mean, they're just going through the gauntlet of Western Conference potential playoff teams. You know, as much as we say that there is not the same amount of parity. In terms of fighting for, you know, six, there's four 60-win teams or whatever nonsense is happening at the top of it. It's more that it's really difficult four through 11 to figure out who's going to finish. And so every single game is important and every single team is still tough because it's uh, 
you know, your talents are sort of parallel there. So playing a lot of those teams, I think, should be a really good idea of this team's medal. I think I already have a, an inkling of what it's going to be, especially because Damien's already been so on point so far. But if they get through these first two or three weeks and they, you know, are a confident level above 500, then I'm looking at it like, wow, that's, that's a huge improvement over the first, you know, portion of, uh, of the start of, of the first 20 games of, of last season. Uh, they're probably playing better on the road than they were. Uh, they have been uh, the last couple of years. So that's, that's um, a really important as we, as again, as if we're trying to see that projection come alive, that they're going to be like a four or five seed. Yeah. Uh, so I think great week, start to the season for the Blazers they are two and one after the first three games and they'll play again Tuesday I think that does it for us uh great episode I think welcome back Dane and Thanks, uh, we'll catch you next time uh, I think we'll definitely chat uh, after the Warriors game yeah let's do it I've, uh, if our listeners want to get on uh, Twitter or Facebook this week I am back on Blazers Edge doing my video Q&A session uh, on my YouTube channel The Rewind so you can uh, just at me right now um, and ask your questions it's at Dan Carbaugh D-A-N-E-C-A-R-B-A-U-G-H and uh, ask me any questions you have about the Trailblazers the NBA my beard um, you know anything you got going so that, that's, that's what I'm doing this week on that note listeners We'd love for you to send in questions and do an episode on your questions, Blazers-related, of course, uh, to Locked On Blazers. Tweet at Locked On Blazers, or you can tweet at me, at Eric underscore Gunderson. You can even send an email to LockedOnBlazers at gmail.com if you have uh, something that is more than 140 characters. So, yeah, yeah hit, hit us up. up. We'd love to do a, a mailbag of sorts. So, uh, yeah, we'll be back again soon. Thanks for listening to Locked On Blazers. Give us a five star review. iTunes, Audio Boom, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, and we'll catch you later. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.